Hi, I'm Shashank Bhargav and you're listening to Three Things, the Indian Express news show. In this episode, we talk about how Gujarat is handling its COVID-19 rise. We also take a quick look at some important COVID-19 updates from around the country. But first, we talk about the government's decision about CBSE exams. On Wednesday, the Education Ministry postponed the CBSE Class 12 board exams and cancelled the Class 10 exams altogether. The decision affects roughly 21.5 lakh Class 10 students and 14 lakh Class 12 students across India. In this segment, we talk to Sukrita Barwa, who reports on Education for the Indian Express, about this decision. And she starts by explaining why the ministry took the decision in the first place. I mean, very simply, it's because of the current surge in COVID cases. On Wednesday, which is when the government announced this result, in Delhi, we recorded more than 17,000 cases of COVID. Um, The board exams are a massive exercise where lakhs of children are involved. They write the exam. This year, there were supposed to be 21.5 lakh children writing the class 10 board exams and around 14 lakh will be writing the class 12 board exams. So it's a massive exercise. And there has been mounting pressure for quite a while. Parents and students have been very vocally asking for the exams to be cancelled or, you know, to not be held in the offline mode. And it's been something that's been trending on social media as well. Online petitions have been floating around for quite a bit. So there has been a steady demand and the sudden surge that we've been experiencing has been the immediate stimulus to this. And there were also a number of political demands regarding this that we saw in the past, right? So uh, most prominently, uh, Priyanka Gandhi, Vadra and Rahul Gandhi did raise it and said that in the face of, I quote, massive and uncontrolled rise in COVID-19 cases, this entire decision must be reconsidered. Delhi Chief Minister Arvind Kejriwal also raised the flag about this. And he spoke about how exam centers for these board exams could potentially turn into COVID hotspots. Okay, so now with this decision, the class 10 students will be promoted to class 11 and their results will be decided by the CBSE based on certain criterion. Do we know about this criterion based on which the results will be decided? So that's not something that's been decided yet or publicized. So I did speak to the controller of examinations at CBSE yesterday and I asked him if there can be any indication about along what lines we can expect this. They've said that this will be an objective criterion, um, but he said that he was not in a position to comment about this. But we can assume that there'll be some that uh, past assessments, pre-boards, any kind of assessment that has been taken in the course of the year might play into this. But I mean, it's too early to say because we can only know this once the CBSE talks about this. And will the students be able to contest the result if, if say, they don't agree with it? Yes. So if they're unhappy with uh, or if they think that they actually deserve more than what they'll be getting through this yet unknown manner of uh, assessment, then the CBSE has stated that they will have the option to give a written exam as and when the situation permits. And one thing that the government has said outright is that the CBSE class 12 exams will not be cancelled one and second that they will not be conducted online. Could you talk about the reasons why an online system is not being considered for the class 12 exams? 
Right. So very early on, the CBSC and the government made it very clear that an online examination is just not an option. So in December itself, uh, we were told before the dates were finalized, we had been told that if and when the exams do happen, they will be offline mode and that they'll be written exams. And as we can see in the case of class 10, they decided to cancel rather than move it online. So uh, something that's always brought up when the question of online comes up is resource inequity about how the digital divide is real. Even, you know, private school principals in Delhi, where they are catering to upper middle class families, they talk about even though they took teaching and learning online, conducting assessment online is a big issue. It has been a big issue throughout the course of the year. And could you elaborate on this problem of assessment in online exams? In, in what ways have teachers been, you know, struggling with it? So through the entire course of this year, schools have been teaching online, but online assessment has been an issue throughout the year. Whenever I would speak to teachers or principals, whenever I'd ask them about assessment and examination, something that they would always talk about is unfair means and how there's just a lot of cheating that happens. So teachers were concerned because they said that they're not being able to get a fair and honest assessment of where their students stand. They weren't being able to gauge how much they've actually picked up during the course of the year. In fact, one school principal I spoke to yesterday, she was talking about how they did end up conducting class 9 and 11 final exams offline during the brief window during which schools were open for these students in Delhi. And she said that we did conduct online assessments during the course of the year. And usually we give weightage to the exams conducted earlier along with the final exams. But she said this year we decided that we're not going to use whatever assessments we had done earlier, we'll only use final exams because what we had assessed earlier was just not honest assessment. That's not something that we felt like we could rely on. And Sukrita, the other thing that you have reported is that while this decision was taken at the highest level between Prime Minister Narendra Modi and top education ministry officials, a number of members of the CBSC's governing body were not consulted regarding it. What kind of things did they have to say when you spoke to them? So school principals have been consulted for different issues. So one principal spoke about how before the dates were, the board exams were announced, then they were consulted and they did give their submissions for when they think would be a good time. Another principal spoke about how she was also part of, say, submitting suggestions about how the exams can be conducted, what kind of paper perhaps can be set at the end of this really difficult year. But this particular decision that was announced on Wednesday, the governing body members I spoke to said that this decision has clearly been taken right at the very top and uh, that these uh, stakeholders, the governing body members, were not a part of this particular decision-making process, this uh, cancellation and then the decision for postponement. And is ICSC or, you know, some other state boards also planning to take similar decisions? So some state boards have already taken decisions along this line. So uh, the state boards of uh, Maharashtra, Punjab and Uttar Pradesh have already postpone their board exams and Chhattisgarh has done pretty much what CBSE has uh, done. So they've also cancelled their class board exams and postponed 
their class 12 exams i did speak to the chief executive of i uh, cisce yesterday uh, mr jerry arithun and he said that seeing uh, in the light of cbse's decision and he referred particularly to maharashtra's decision they uh, are going to review the situation now and as in when they do take a decision we'll all know about it next we talk about gujarat India has been experiencing its second COVID-19 wave and under it a number of states have been struggling. In an episode earlier this week, we had talked about how Maharashtra, Chhattisgarh and Punjab have been grappling with it. Though in this episode we talk about Gujarat, which is another state that experts have shown concern about. This state is showing an alarming rise in cases and there have been a number of reports in the media about long queues of ambulances outside hospitals and the state's crematoriums working around the clock in this segment sohini ghosh who reports on gujarat for the indian express joins us to talk about how the state is doing and she begins by giving a snapshot of gujarat's pandemic situation so on a daily basis we are seeing the cases the daily case reporting going up every day by at least 500 so for example if it was 6500 a day ago it would the next day it would go up to 7000 or 7200 so at present as of april 14 we had 7410 new cases and 73 deaths and along with that although the state has increased its testing capacity number 1 it has not had a widespread reach in terms of all districts having access to testing facilities and also secondly the test positivity rate too has been going high with each day which only indicates that there are a lot of infections that are remain to be detected as on date She says that right now the state's positivity rate is between 4.5 to 5%, which means that if you were to test 100 people, around 5 would test positive. But the worry is that the state's doubling rate has gone up. The doubling rate right now is around 6 to 7 days for the new cases. So for example, if you're seeing 7000 cases today, 7 days later you might be reporting 14000 new cases in a single day. so given the extent of surge our testing is not sufficient and this is something that also the central government has highlighted in its communication to the state government as well as the gujarat high court has also taken cognizance of in fact like some other states that are also experiencing a rise in cases it is hard to get a covid test done in gujarat So Hini says that if you want to get a test done at home you'll probably have to wait for 2 to 3 days. If you go and get tested in a lab then you have to wait for 2 to 3 hours at the minimum and the results of an RT-PCR test will take more than 24 hours. This concern I'm only putting out for the main cities that apart the peripheral districts or the smaller towns these places they do not have access to rtpcr facilities so end of the day the district administration ends up conducting widespread antigen testing antigen testing of course is quick to do but gives you a lot of false negatives 
that's why the gold standard for testing is RT-PCR. So, for example, there are at least six districts which till this date, even after 12, 13 months since the pandemic, they still don't have an RT-PCR testing facility or a CVNAT or a TRONAT facility. So essentially for these districts, you only have to rely on antigen testing. And again, there's a caveat here because the center recommends that at least your RT-PCR to antigen testing must follow a ratio of 70 to 30, which is also not being followed in Gujarat. For example, as per the Ministry of Health and Family Welfare data, they have highlighted that Gujarat is only doing about 48% of its total weekly tests, which are RT-PCR tests. For, for the remaining 52%, uh, your tests are all antigen. So that is also, again, another issue. And it becomes a big issue because testing is your first step to detecting new infections and then going for treatment. So if there's a big loophole or a gap there, your subsequent steps, they get hampered as well. Predictably, the other thing that this rise in cases has done is put a strain on the state's health infrastructure. One particular thing that is being covered by a lot of state media is that many hospitals in cities have long queues of ambulances outside them. But Sohini explains the reason for it. For example, in Ahmedabad Civil Hospital, which has a 1,200-bed facility for treating COVID-19 patients, a huge chunk of Ahmedabad's new cases, or for that matter, even from the peripheral districts of, for example, Gandhinagar or Mehsana, these districts are also sending their patients to Ahmedabad Civil Hospital. And with it has a finite number of beds which can accommodate a finite number of patients. So if there are 1,200 beds, you can have at the most 1,100 or 1,150 patients admitted at any point of time. You need to keep 50 or 20 beds vacant for emergency purposes. That is called basically the reserve beds that a hospital must have. In such a case, you can't expect the hospital to discharge someone just so that there's not a queue outside its hospital. Right. In this case, what you instead should be doing as a state administration is you must be equipping more facilities in other districts. And she says that the other thing about this wave is that this time, all 33 districts in the state have been affected. This was not the case the previous time. Earlier, there were districts that were not affected by COVID. So in that case, you had space to accommodate patients. But right now, we don't have that. So of course, it is putting a pressure, but the pressure is not uniform. So for example, even within Ahmedabad, we are not seeing this kind of queue outside, for example, Sola Civil Hospital or the GMERS Sola. Or, for example, the AMC-run hospital, SVP Hospital. Even that is not seeing a queue like what Ahmedabad Civil Hospital is seeing. And, of course, with respect to pressure, it 
also puts a pressure on your healthcare workers as well that goes without saying and right now they also have to cope with the fatigue of working non stop for the past one year more than a year so all these factors of course are at play and apart from health workers being overworked the shortage of covid-19 tests there is also a shortage of oxygen that major cities like ahmedabad surat baroda and rajkot are experiencing but the state government has now issued a policy to solve this issue see now these four cities that we mentioned ahmedabad surat baroda and rajkot lie in four different districts and sohini says that now the state has ensured that 70% of the oxygen that these districts produce must only be used in these districts for medical purposes they cannot supply it to other districts but this means that the peripheral districts might end up suffering because a lot of these districts rely on these major producing centers for example surendranagar relies partly on rajkot for its oxygen supply for these districts it's going to be difficult more difficult than the cities and also within the cities for example today the gujarat high court chief justice vikram nath he highlighted this aspect where oxygen too is being black marketed for example if there is a 500 bed facility and 100 beds have oxygen supply now those 100 beds will see patients admitted who do not require oxygen so essentially you are curtailing 100 patients who are in need of oxygen but they can't have access to beds so that is a second issue a third issue is also this that amdavad medical association on april 14th they wrote to the chief minister saying that we are seeing a short supply of oxygen in our hospitals and it is critical where we might have to move towards stopping new admissions of patients altogether because we won't be able to meet their oxygen requirement so in these terms yes oxygen shortage is a problem but again what i feel here is we are ignoring a larger problem of how peripheral districts are supposed to survive because the entire state and the center's focus continues to remain on the major cities which by the way should have been equipped by now given the past years experience well these four cities have been repeatedly affected they should have had a mechanism in place by now where they should not be rushing at the last hour looking for oxygen looking for medicines looking for beds now we move on to talk about another issue that is being highlighted in the state and that is the discrepancy in the number of deaths that the state is reporting versus the number of deaths that people are seeing in crematoriums and burial grounds this is something that is being reported all across local state media right now but sohini says that this problem is not new and has to do with how the state has been counting covid-19 deaths after a notification that was issued in april 2020 the notification required the state to do a death audit sohini explains how that works when there's a death audit the form the specific form that you have to fill that 
includes a column which says primary cause of death and secondary cause of death in this now the cases the deaths where the primary cause is written to be covid only those deaths get counted while in the cases where the secondary cause is ascertained to be covid those are not considered as covid deaths so that is one thing second thing this time the discrepancy is more glaring because our overall patients the number of patients that itself has gone up so the discrepancy in data does not just stop with deaths but also lies in the number of cases that are being declared for example based on what i have been reporting from the ground in amdavad doctors at amdavad civil hospital they have blatantly told that the numbers that you are seeing for amdavad which is around 2500 cases a day that number itself you have to multiply by a factor of 8 to 10 times and that is perhaps what is the real picture of the city right now now if you multiply 2500 cases by 10 times the number of deaths will significantly go up so he says that experts within the state's own task force have said that you cannot have a system an audit where a death is not counted as a covid death by judging covid as the secondary cause because how covid works is it attacks multiple systems in your body it causes inflammation which in turn results in other complications so essentially your system is failing because of covid regardless of whether you die of a heart attack or because of a blood clot in your leg or because of kidney failure those failures were caused because your body had that virus at that point so essentially all deaths are covid deaths invariably and this is something that the states the state government's own task force is pointing out but of course data needs to be downplayed so as a result of which we don't see these deaths being counted meanwhile crematoriums in surat ahmedabad and rajkot have been working around the clock in some crematoriums metal frames of gas furnaces and chimneys have been melting and breaking down because of the load in some cases the load is thrice as much as the last month and sohini says that because of this load many districts are now planning to increase the number of crematorium grounds now during this time the gujarat high court has been pulling up the state for its handling of the pandemic sohini says that last year the court had taken suomoto cognizance of the covid situation and now seeing the rise it has done that once again now one key observation has been about testing and how the testing outreach has been very limited and people have been facing issues of long wait that is something that the gujarat high court has continuously now highlighted since i would say two hearings a second issue has been about remdesivir now although the state government says that there is sufficient stock of the medicine of the antiviral drug but the gujarat high court has been very strict in how it has perceived the state's submission it has clearly laid down that we are aware 
that there is black marketing going on we are aware that there is panic but you can't be blaming the people only because people when someone is infected they go to a doctor and when a doctor recommends remdesivir the patient has no option but to actually go looking out for it so you can't be blaming the patient or the patient's skin which is what the state government has been doing they have been putting the onus that patients are buying it unnecessarily doctors are prescribing it indiscriminately the media is blowing it out of proportion but state is doing all that it can and it has sufficient stock so technically the blame has been put on everyone except the state the state however has acknowledged that there is a supply problem because between december and february the seven manufacturers of the drug had significantly reduced their production they were producing as little as 5 to 10% of their capacity but even apart from testing and remdesivir the court has also criticized the state's covid-19 data now what the court has conveyed is they are not convinced by the data in terms of number of cases or number of deaths that are being put out by the state government as completely authentic and they have made multiple mentions of this during the hearing today saying that your data is either fudged or your supply chain is entirely broken because if we go by the numbers and your remdesivir demand or the number of bed occupancy then it does not match up though sohini says that one thing that is better about the state's response this time is that during this wave there is less promotion of homeopathic and ayurvedic therapies but this of course doesn't mean that it has completely stopped for example i am amdavad after reporting over 100 cases in a month their authorities started pushing for arsenic album and other such herbal recipes number 1 number 2 today at gujarat high court hearing senior advocate porsi kavina who is representing the gujarat high court advocates association to assist the court with fact finding also mentioned this aspect that the treatment protocol with respect to covid-19 must be clearly laid out and quackery methods should also be condemned so basically his point was that government should say that ayurveda or neem ka ukala all these does not help essentially with covid and in the end we bring you some important covid-19 updates from the country India yesterday added over 2 lakh new COVID-19 cases an unprecedented figure and this took India's accumulative count to over 1.4 crore considering this rise the central government yesterday decided to postpone the NEET exam 2021 the exam was scheduled to be held on 18th of April union health minister harshvardhan said that the next date would be decided later adding that the decision was taken keeping well-being of our young medical students in mind also to stop the spread of new infections both odisha and delhi took steps odisha state government decided to impose weekend and night curfew in urban areas of 10 districts close to chatisgarh 
This is because Chhattisgarh has been seeing a very high case rise. The state also said that urban areas of 20 other districts in the state will also have a night curfew. Apart from these, no religious, social, cultural, academic and political gathering or procession will be allowed in Odisha from today. Meanwhile, Delhi imposed a weekend curfew. According to its order, essential services will be allowed to function and special passes will be given for weddings. Restaurants will be shut for dine-in, but home delivery will be allowed. Malls and spas will remain shut, though cinema halls will be allowed to function at 30% capacity. You are listening to Three Things by the Indian Express. Today's show was written and produced by me, Shashank Bhargav, and was edited and mixed by Suresh Pawar. If you like the show, then do subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. You can also recommend the show to someone you think will like it. Share it with a friend or someone in your family. It's the best way for people to get to know about us. You can tweet us at Express Podcasts and write to us at podcasts at IndianExpress dot com.